the care and the effort they um you all do, particularly during this difficult time, is compassion. An insurmountable amount of compassion I look up to. You may not name your actions as being compassion, hope, justice and love, but they are in, in so many ways. Welcome to Compassion, Courage, Consolation. Voices for St Vincent's during COVID-19. In this podcast, we're talking to people who love St. Vincent's, love our staff and love the service we provide in health and aged care. We're doing this to support our compassion for one another and those we serve, to bolster our courage in this extraordinary time and to provide consolation amidst the challenges we're facing. And whilst prepared for St. Vincent's, we're sharing this series with anyone who might find it helpful. If you're joining us from outside of our services, consider yourself part of the family. You are very welcome indeed. My name is Dan Fleming. I lead ethics and formation for St. Vincent's, and this is a special episode. St. Vincent's is part of a family known as Mary Aikenhead Ministries, founded to continue the work of the Sisters of Charity in Australia and named after their foundress. Our guests to date have been from health and aged care, but the Sisters' legacy also includes a wonderfully rich tradition of providing education. Today I'm talking with some very special guests from St Columba's College in Essendon, Victoria, which was established by the sisters in 1897. It's a real privilege to welcome two members of the St Columba's community, Janika, who is a Year 12 student, and Renee, who is a teacher. Welcome to both of you and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. Janika, I wonder if I can start with you uh, with a question. You're in year 12 at the moment, which is an extremely significant year. What has it been like for you adjusting to a different way of learning during this pandemic? Um, well, it's definitely been um, a journey. Um, there's been a lot of changes happening really quickly, especially at the beginning when this first um, restrictions things happen. Um, but overall... Like it gets easier after a while. Like it becomes a regular routine. Like you wake up, you know, you have breakfast and then you go to class in your room or in your desk. It's, you get used to it. So I think that's one thing that I really learned from it. And uh, this experience was, I think, a learning opportunity, not just like the online aspect, but also like adapting to new situations, which I think has been a positive out of this. And overall, like, there's been a lot of support, which I'm really grateful for. I think that's what made this um, experience, learning this new way of adjusting a lot more easier. You know, with family and friends and, like, the school, teachers, and it's easy to communicate. So, yeah, it's, it's been different but good. Mm, incredible journey. Thanks, Janica. And I look forward to teasing out some of those themes with you as we, we go through. Renee, what about you? As a teacher, what's it been like for you leading your classes and those around you during this pandemic? And I wonder maybe if you have any reflections on how the charism of the school and Mary Aikenhead Ministries has supported you in this. I think it's been a really interesting time um, where our staff have just been so focused on supporting our students uh, and they're not just our students they're our girls uh, they are part of we have this education family as well part of the Mary Aitken Head Ministries my personal focus has always included well-being mm. but that certainly has been more of a priority during this time uh, I teach religious education and my focus um, has been on the content but 
a time like this, that's actually not as important. It's it's coping and supporting one another that means a, a heck of a lot more and that's going to have more of an impact in our community. The more I have felt comfortable with remote learning, the more I've been able to offer my students and my colleagues, um, reach out and check in on people a bit more regularly. I think the charism provides such a strong framework for any action and in this instance it's really been vital. Um, aspiring to the, the vision of compassion and justice, hope and love just reminds me that each person has needs of each of these elements but at different times. So recognising when students simply need to carry on or knowing when they we need to stop and just chat and just reconnect with each other has been really important and that's really evident in the charism. Um, it's about the person, the individual need of that person. So I feel like the charism has called us to reflect and be more present with each other even though we're physically apart. Mm. Um, and that's that's been a challenge. So I think there's a lot um, we've been open to and our students are just amazing and they've adapted so quickly. Um, I think that reminds me of the sisters when they first came to Australia, adapting and just changing what they knew. They, di- they just did it differently um, and we've been able to do the same to some extent. So feeling that connection has been really important. Mm, That's a wonderful reflection, Renee. Thank you for that. It strikes me that there's something already very similar that we've heard uh, across the health and aged care services, which is that in some sense, nothing has changed. Our founding values hasn't changed. Our principles haven't changed. Our situations changed, but that means that those values and principles show up in a different way. And in that context, Janika, I wonder um, if you could say a little bit something about compassion here you've been working on the value of compassion this year what does it mean to you and how do you think we could show compassion at this time um yeah so yeah compassion has been like a big theme of value for this year and from like looking and like trying to understand what compassion means there's like two main things or like aspects that I can really think of and it's about like compassion to yourself as well as others so like what um Renee was saying about you know, having this well-being importance of looking after yourself. Like in order to be in order to be compassionate to others, it is good to be compassionate to yourself. You know, when you like help others, you should be having a good attitude. You know, you should be um, you know, happy to do it, willing to do it. And in order to do that, you should be caring for yourself, having a happy, positive energy and just radiating it to others. Um, because your attitudes reflect on others. Um, yeah. And also the compassion for others, it's about being empathetic. So again, what was being said about understanding and recognizing everybody's situation and just showing your care for others by being present and being aware of how each individual has their own experiences. And then you can learn how to support others and be compassionate because you listen to them and you learn how we can support them. I mean, compassion is a lot of things, but it really just comes to mind. Like what really comes to mind is just like care and action and listening. I think communication and listening because you can't just assume. You always, you you need to know what people are going through in order to help them. So I think that's like the main parts of compassion that I could really learn from this time. 
That's fantastic. What a rich reflection, Janica. And just staying with you for a moment, you're a member of the student executive and I found it amazing to learn as we were preparing for the podcast today, what you and your team have been up to in terms of putting work into cultivating connection among your peers and supporting the whole school at the moment. Could you tell a bit about um, that work, like what you've been leading and perhaps also in this context, how it relates to the story of Mary Aikenhead? Um, Yeah. So, you know, it's, being separated can be difficult at times. You know, you don't get to see everyone. You don't get to um, talk face-to-face. But in the end, communication is important. And having that human connection is kind of like a necessity. You know, having that friendship, that um, connection between peers in the school. And our student executive um, have been trying to keep that presence alive and, I th- alive. and I think we've done that online, basically. So we've had assemblies, you know, connecting with students asking them to send through and share what they've been doing so that everyone can know that, you know, there's still a community within us and there's still support and friendship and connection and that even though we're separate, we still have that means to be one community. Mm. And, you know, it's like through common interests like art or like sport or just activities we encourage for them to do and just keeping up with the well-being aspect. And I think you can relate that to the story of Mary Aikenhead like how even though we have all these restrictions, we still have that ability to keep in touch and be connected. Like Mary Aikenhead couldn't come to Australia, but she still devoted her life to the poor. She still connected with the Sisters of Charity. And, you know, she sent letters, prayers, and she was present through spirit. And I think that's something that's really prominent during this time, that there's a spirit, this encouragement and support in our community just by communicating, talking with others, you know, sending letters, sending messages of hope, we, um, I think a few, last week we um, had this initiative for um, everyone to paint a rock and put in a message or a symbol of hope. And that's just, and then we would share it to the community, like put it in our garden for everyone to see and sending photos to each other to show, you know, that, you know, we're still a community during this time. And I think that's like kind of what can relate to Mary Aikenhead. Like you don't have to physically be with each other to be supportive, to have this connection and communication. It's just about keeping that connection, whether it's online or through um, messages or sending things. It's just keeping updated and keeping conversation alive. Yeah, wow. What what an extraordinary <laughs> range of things that you've been involved in there, Janica. And my, like, I mean, what really comes to mind for me, and it's similar in that story of Mary Aikenhead you've shared too, is this kind of connecting doesn't just happen, does it? It requires leadership. It requires you to make a decision to be involved in it. Um, what made you want to do this? I mean, what made you want to get involved in this way and make sure that these connections were happening rather than just focusing on your own work? Um, I think when you know looking at like um the position of like leadership and looking at like the opportunities you can do as a leader what really stood out to me was this idea of like servant leadership and finding leaders in others because during this time it's yes you have to start that like um that push to do something but if you encourage others and you just like inspire others it's really like it's really um you learn a lot because you see other people like their potentials for things. And um, again, with that servant leadership, um, you can see them, you can see other people, how they can be leaders because you inspire them. And that has that ripple effect. I think that's what really pulled me to becoming like a student leader because I, I know that there's so many other people who 
have that ability to be leaders. And so I don't want to, I didn't really want to focus on it just being like me doing something, but how everyone can get involved, be together and have that communal leadership. Yeah. If that made sense. Oh, it d- definitely makes sense, Janica. It actually reminds me of something that the CEO of our public hospital here in Melbourne, Angela Nolan, said to me on the show recently, which is that, uh, yes, in a sense, she holds the position of the leader, but she works with 6,000 other leaders and 6,000 other problem solvers. And if all of them are working together, uh, then there's nothing to fear because we can handle this together. And Renee, I want to jump to you now. And um, Janika's shared some remarkable work there that's happened amongst the student body. What have you seen amongst the students and your fellow staff in terms of how they've kind of courageously encountered this time in facing new challenges? I think there's been a really strong willingness to share God's love and just be there for people in need. There's been this constant witness of giving time, of giving talent, of being open to doing something completely differently. You know, we have a staff that our average age is getting on a little bit um, and for however long their careers have been, they have been doing a wonderful job as educators and um, whatever their role is in the school, they've been doing that very well. And then in the space of two weeks over what was holidays for many of our staff, they've had to change almost everything they do and how they do it. And their ability to adapt to that in that instance is really inspirational. Mm. Um, Their willingness to speak with each other, to share ideas and to say, even put their hand up and say, you know what, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can someone help me? That takes real courage. You know, um, that's on top of what is happening in our community where we were being asked to go into isolation, um, which is really hard for people who are connected, who have strong family ties, who are used to going to parents, grandparents' houses after work or on weekends to care for them. And all of a sudden, you know, these visits need to stop. So on top of our own uh, personal lives, the staff have just risen to a level of um, ability that is just, you know, ordinarily it would take years to implement this kind of change and they've just done it in a heartbeat. Um, And I think their willingness to do that shows their love of their students and of their vocation. Mm. Um, They haven't let adversity overcome or overwhelm us. We've certainly had our moments um, and there's certainly been a lot of sadness uh, within a couple of weeks that we haven't been at work with each other. Um, four f- staff members have lost family members, you know, and how, how as a community do we support them in, in their hardship? And yet we've been able to do it. Um, they've been able to hold out their hand and say, is someone there to help me? And there have been two or three hands to take them and, and walk them through this. So there's been lots of um, moments of, of courage from staff I think, and students have just shown such a strong resilience. I know they're, I wouldn't say panic, but certainly apprehension and concern for what the year might look like or how is this going to affect me and my studies. But that quickly changed to saying, oh, but how are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm actually okay. When I think about it, I'm fine, but what about you and everyone else? 
um, once people got over the initial shock, I think they've turned it around um, into an opportunity to support each other and to show that we care for each other. There is great compassion in our community. Uh, I've heard a story. I contacted, I've been contacting more parents just to check in with students and families and one parent got in touch to say their neighbours had had their first child and they hadn't been able to go around to see the little one yet mm-hmm. and yet a Year 7 student each week was taking their bin out, collecting it in the next morning, baking goods for them, making sure they had food, dropping off fresh fruit and vegetables for them on their front doorstep. Um, and I just think stories like that are coming out of the woodwork of young people just stepping up as well. Um, I've received many emails from my own students just to say, hey, how are you going? You check in on us, but what about you? Um, I, I know I'm very fortunate to work at a school where the Sisters of Charity have left an amazing legacy and this is seen in the young people when they contact me like that just out of the blue or they check in about other family members of mine. Um, you don't get that in every workplace but it seems to be a common thread that you hear with Mary Aiken Head Ministries. That's not just an isolated incident for me. That's that's something that happens across the board for many people and I think it's a reflection of what the sisters do for us. We then try and pass on to others, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just uh, the themes that are coming through so strongly in in both of what both of you've said so far uh, is incredible commitment to um, compassionate connection, no matter what the bounds uh, the the ba- boundaries enforced are. So if distance is enforced, you all are finding a way to connect, but not just to be in touch with each other, but to share each other's suffering. And Renee, you had that powerful and, and tragic example, really, of people grieving during this time when we're so distant, but nonetheless, or, or even celebrating the birth of a new child, where we're physically distant, but nonetheless, creativity allows us to create these, these wonderful connections. On the note of stories, I've got a couple couple of questions here for both of you. Um, and Renee, I might go to you first with this question uh, and come to you second, Janika. Do you have a story, big or small, or even a, a couple of stories that hold together the themes of this podcast, compassion, courage, and consolation? I think this is an instance where I'm going to have to take a moment. <laughs> I don't have one particular instance um, that I could probably reflect on, but knowing that Um, two staff in my department have lost their dads during um, this crisis, Uh, one very early on and one uh, when we've been in isolation and and not been able to see each other. And for both these women, their relationship with their dad was so particularly strong. Um, I haven't known them for very long. I've only been at the college for a couple of years, but I knew about their dad. I knew about both the men and their lives and the deep love that they had for their family, Um, why they chose for these women to actually attend St Columbus and support them in their work at St Columbus College. And their passing has obviously left, you know, a a deep hole um, for these families and they're still coming to grips with that. And yet when I've spoken to both of them, you can see and hear happiness in their voice, knowing that they loved so very deeply their parents, 
their dads and that the relationship that they had with them was much stronger than um, just getting to know um, a little bit about their stories, knowing that they were ill. It's about this lifetime journey that they've travelled um, and the sharing of these particular stories about their dads comes across in who these women are. They are strong, independent women, women of deep, deep faith who share with the sisters just um, a compassion to support other people. They're not teachers just because. They're not teachers because it was easy to get into or, oh, yeah, I thought I'd be a teacher. It's it's just one of those things. They do it because it's who they are, um, much like the sisters that I've met you can't learn how to be compassionate. It is something deeply ingrained in you. And both these people and these women receive that from their fathers. And the fact that they're able to share that with others, I think, reflects so much of the work that the sisters did as well. I was really fortunate to um, hear their story down in Tasmania. And when you hear the heartache of the people that they were helping, and yet these women would still get up each morning and walk the distances they had to walk and help the people that they felt needed help. Um, our staff are doing that each day mm. and and the fact that these women have done that for others has sort of called on the rest of us to then support them in their time of need, um, to put aside what might be affecting us or might be worrying us to then step up in essence and not fill the gap of their parents but to say, hey, because of them you've got something to share and then keep spreading that further out. Like Janika mentioned, it's like a ripple effect. It continues to have an impact on people. Um, so even though it's been quite a distressing time for the family, it's actually opened up an opportunity for us to share in something very special and, and sacred with them as well that we might not have had had it been a normal month, a normal week when they had passed away. Because of COVID, we're looking for different ways to support each other and I, it's actually been more of a support for these women. I think we might have done things a bit differently that in this moment has been really helpful for them mm. that we might not have been able to do in any other time. Yeah, in their life. And it sounds to me like it's almost as if the um, because the intensity of life in general has um, wound up so much, we're able to look at moments of grief and so on with almost the intensity with which they deserve. We don't get caught up in everything else that's going on right now. Um, and, and in that exactly. sense, there's this deep learning about what it means to be a child of a parent and have the parent's values and virtues baked into you and how that continues yeah. on as a as an enduring enduring leg enduring legacy just as you say Renee just just like the sisters um Janica what about you does a story or a couple of stories come to mind for you that hold together those ideas of compassion courage and consolation um I don't think there's like you know a single story I think it's just the overall acts of kindness people have been doing during this time like people have been, you know, checking up on people, um, you know, sending messages, you know, um, sending even letters, just, just the really nice things to just keep on top of, you know, how people are going in life, just to have that sort of, you know, compassion and care. And I think that's something, you know, it's not 
one story, but just the stories of many, just the little things that people have do um, people have been doing, because those little actions make up a lot for people, you know, and um, you learn to appreciate these things. And you know, um, beforehand, you know, I I would often or not often, but you know, you you take things for granted, like you, you wouldn't realize like how important it is to have a Commun- uh, community and a human connection you know when you go to school you see people it's you know a regular thing but now that it's changed now with this new condition you learn you know how like impactful these little com- connections are like little conversations that you have with people and I think they they become more often now that we're in lockdown because people realize you know those are important those things are a part of life that are uh, significant and they um, influence us and they help us grow and change and so I think it's basically just like that kind of thing how just those small conversations those small um, acts of kindness those smiles those attitudes just yeah everything mm, that's great and yes it's it's this goes to what Renee was saying as well. It's as if this moment in time has kind of pulled the veil off our eyes a little bit and we've seen things that have been there all along but we haven't given due attention to. And despite all of the trauma and the kind of catastrophe at this moment that we've spoken about earlier, there is also a way of seeing things anew, which is quite remarkable. And on that topic, Janika, that you uh, brought up there about what we're learning about ourselves and the world around us at this time, I'd be interested to hear your reflections on anything you've learnt about our health and aged care services during this time. It seems to me that every time I look at a newspaper, St Vincent's is mentioned in one way or another at the moment. Um, I'd be really keen to hear what you've learnt as somebody uh, in year 12 watching all of this happen about our health and aged care services. Being year 12, you know, you think, oh, this is a stressful time like you know it's the big year you know doing all the work but then you're now with all the news and you're seeing the healthcare service you see how much work they've been doing as well like it's different work but we're both experiencing some kind of stress and like you know this massive um like workload and I think it's just you really learn to understand like how like you won't I don't actually 100% understand but I can sort of like see that you know, the amount of work they're doing and, you know, the perseverance and their courage to go out and, you know, help and provide care for people. So I think that's something that really stood out during this time, just uh, just how much work they've been doing and their patience, you know, during this stressful time. I just find that really admirable and even inspiring, you know, because there are times where I'm thinking, oh, no, this is so much work. But then you see these incredible people continuing and, you know, having that motivation and, um perseverance to just keep going so yeah I think that's just one main thing I've learned from that Mm, that's great Janika thank you it'll be fascinating for our people to to hear that view because of course they're right in the middle of the system so they don't know what it's like to stand outside (laughs) and to to kind of see from the outside Renee what about you with that same question what have you learned about the health and aged care services during this time I think it becomes really obvious that um Mary Aiken Head Ministries and many other health and aged care services that are connected with an order have something special about them it it the job is not it's not just a job but it's more of a vocation there's an intimacy that's shown for the people who are cared for and this deeply reflects the love that Mary Aikenhead shared with those her sisters that she sent to Australia and the sisters that stayed with her 
the people that she worked with. Um, many of our workers become part of extended families of the people that they care for. How can you not when you're caring for people in their time of greatest need? You know, you can't help but be compelled to connect with those people on such a special level. And I just feel so grateful to live in this country and know that should something happen to me or a member of my family that there are so many people who will care for me in the best possible way or care for my family in the best possible way. It's never just about the individual. And I think that's so important um, and it's something that becomes really obvious when you see um, people who are in need or who are being cared for by our services because they they don't just go in and, and receive medical attention. You care about the person themselves. Um, and I think that's a lesson that we learn from the charism is that we don't just churn out numbers, we don't just make people better or care for them at the end of their life and, and then send them on. We get to know who they are as a person, how they tick and, and, and that's just so important and that's, that work is unbelievable that so many thousands of people are doing in the health and aged care services. You know, we're told to stay home, to isolate, don't go out and be with other people and yet, People in our health and aged care services are turning up for work every day mm. and caring for those in greatest need and are at, at a higher risk than everyone else. And it takes such deep courage. You know, I, I, I can't say thank you enough. Our community is just not, um, not simply being looked after, but they're being cared for in such a deeply respectful and intimate way your work being present for those people who are ill just reflects perfectly the image of Mary Aikenhead. Um, I just, when you ask for an example of how, how can we be more like Mary Aikenhead, I mean, work for St Vincent's, <laughs> work in the health and aged care services for Mary Aikenhead Ministries because when you become part of that family, you start looking beyond yourself and that's, a deeply special thing to share. It's a beautiful, yes. beautiful reflection, Renee. Thank you for that. And on, on that exact point, we're coming to the final question that I ask everybody uh, who joins me on the podcast. And I'll go to you first, Renee, um, and then to you, Janica, for the last word. Um, but Renee, first of all, you've said some wonderful things there to our staff. Is there anything else you'd want to say to send a message to that extended St. Vincent's family, the extended family in Mary Aikenhead Ministries, our health and aged care workers on the front line? What would you like to say to them? I mean, how do you thank people for doing the superhuman job that they're doing? You know, keeping calm, doing a difficult job and still offer their, offering their expertise. Um, in fact, sharing the, the charism of Mary Aikenhead Mary Aikenhead Ministries, um, you may not name your actions as being compassion, hope, justice and love, but they are in, in so many ways. And I just think in order to go out into the world, um, you need to nurture yourself as well, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Take the time to care for yourself. Um, that looks different for each of you, but whatever you feel is needed, acknowledge your needs and act on them because what you're doing for other people, um, thank you is just not enough for what you do. Um, but with all my heart, I send prayers and love to each and every one of you for doing the job you do and thank you. 
That's beautiful. Thank you, Renee. Janica, what about you? What message would you have for our folks in health and aged care on the front line and through the rest of the organization too? Yeah, I just, I don't think we could ever say thank you enough. Like the care and the effort they, um, you all do, particularly during this difficult time is compassion, an insurmountable amount of compassion I look up to. And like what has been said, we're just so lucky to live in a country and be part of a community who with with such amazing people who you can trust and feel cared by, you know, you know that we have this reassurance that there is some care, there is some compassion in this world, even in a um, pandemic. And I just overall just want to thank you, you know, thank you for the love, the support, the care and just your work for selflessly helping the wider community. And just from what has come out of your actions, you're all extraordinary people. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you, Janika. And both to you, Janika and Renee, thank you so much for joining me. I've thoroughly enjoyed and, and learnt a lot and been inspired by this conversation. And I know those listening will too. And you've both taken time out of a busy day in a, in a very challenging time as well. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and wisdom and, and compassion and love with our people today. Thank you both. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Compassion, Courage, Consolation. Voices for St Vincent's during COVID-19. This podcast series has been developed by St Vincent's Health Australia. For more information about St Vincent's, visit www.svha.org.au. The music for this podcast comes from Kevin McLeod. His track, Bittersweet, let us in, and you can hear his track, Touching Moments, one now. Kevin's website is incompetech.filmmusic.io, and the music is brought to you under the Creative Commons 4.0 license. All of this information and more is provided in the text accompanying this podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>